0: Good morning, everyone. Thanks, Sue, for reading. It's lovely to see you. My name is Mark. I'm the pastor here at the church. It's really lovely to see a lot of you. I know a lot of us have been hit by illnesses in the church and various things like that, but it's it's great to be here together. Now, over the next few months, as Chris said, we're going to be looking at a letter in the Bible written about 30 years after Jesus rose from the dead, and it's a pretty serious letter. I expect even in that reading, your ears have been pricked up at some of the strong language that we read in there. But at the heart of this letter is this question. What do you want from church? What do you want? Now some of us will already have an answer to that question. Well, we want this, I want this. Maybe a place to belong um, or a place for connecting with God. Um, loads of things you might say not all of them right I, I've been in two churches now where the joke was that uh, people went to that church wanting to find a husband or a wife um, and, the, and the truth was it, it was kind of true and, and my confession is I met my wife at one of these churches um, I will defend myself that that was not why I went but, but, but it's the truth um, what do you want? Now, some of us don't know quite what we do want from church. We're exploring or we're wondering if we want church in our lives at all. Now, this letter to Timothy is a call, a set of instructions to become a particular type of church. And the idea is, by the end of it, we say, we want that from church. We want that. Whatever we wanted before, now I want this. Think of it as... Like painting a picture. And you meant to look at that picture and say, look, I want that. I want that in my front room. If you go around galleries, um, and you might see a picture you really like, and then you move on. And you say, well, actually, that's, now I want this picture. And then you move on. You're like, now I want this picture. Timothy's like that. This is what we want. and But here is the health warning from Timothy, as we do. Um, there are parts of this letter that might freak you out when you first read them and might scare you are like, what? that's really strong, that's really serious it doesn't look very attractive hopefully as we go through it and we can explore that and some of the things that are pretty strong come in our very first passage it's a thing where we say ah, oh, I see I see that is why we want church like that And here's the first main point we're going to read from our first passage. And it is one of those points that might freak you out straight away. It is this, that churches are to seriously care about truth. Seriously care about truth. Let's get into it. Let me show you that from the passage. Um, You can see in verse 1, page 1191 in these church bibles, you can see in page uh, verse 1 that this this letter is written by a man named Paul. And the reason his letter is in the Bible, not just everyone's letter gets in the Bible, um, is that he is an apostle of Christ Jesus by the command of God our Saviour and of Christ Jesus our hope. In other words, he is one of the men chosen personally by Jesus to be an apostle of Jesus, a leader of the early church. And he's writing to, verse 2, his friend called Timothy. And you can see it's someone he considers his true son in the faith. And uh, we learn elsewhere in the Bible that Timothy was someone uh, who lived in a place called Lystra in modern-day Turkey. And we know that Paul went and started a church there. And he met Timothy, and Timothy wanted to serve Jesus. And Paul said, I want you to come along with me around the Mediterranean starting churches. And that's what Timothy did. And now we're a number of years later now. And Timothy is a leader in the church in Ephesus, and Paul writes him a letter to help him. So in some ways this is a letter written to a church leader, but as you read it you realise Paul is writing this, expecting it to be read publicly by the church, So, so much so that even at the very end of the letter you get these words, grace be with you all. And you can imagine Timothy saying, wait a minute, I thought this letter was written to me. We're going to talk about all of us. But that's the idea. And this is why it's in the Bible. that It's a letter written for all of us about what church is going to be like. And Paul goes straight in in verse three with some strong words. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer or to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. I don't know if you feel this, but it feels a bit like Timothy's got the short straw here. Timothy and Paul were in Ephesus and Paul says, I'm leaving. And Timothy, you've got to stay here and stop certain people teaching. He doesn't name them here but you get the sense that he talks about certain people that he knows full well who he's talking about and so would timothy that's your job timothy we're about in the early 60s by the way of, uh, of the first century so 30 years after jesus ministry the church in ephesus will be about 10 15 years old so quite established it's likely to be meeting in different places different meetings even on a sunday different homes and paul says timothy you've you've got a job to do it You've got to to stop some people teaching (coughs) false things, harmful things. Now, we don't know exactly what was being taught, and that is deliberate. There are other letters from Paul in the New Testament which talk about false teaching and then go and explain it in detail, explain why it's wrong and what it is. Paul doesn't do that in this letter. I think the point isn't so much about what's going on in Ephesus, but the principle of churches should seriously care about truth now there are at least two things that can threaten a church's teaching um, verse three you can see it's false doctrines false teaching a doctrine is a statement it sounds threatened doesn't it a doctrine is a statement of truth and every church believes a number of doctrines statements of truth and paul says it matters if you get them wrong if they're false but also verse four he's bothered about being devoted to myths and endless genealogies, such things promote controversial speculations. And the problem here is not so much that it's wrong, but it's just useless what's been said. Now these teachers in Ephesus are probably loving parts of the Old Testament that you and I hate. Family trees genealogies long lists of names long lists of words and they're loving it and they're going in uh, and we have books of uh jewish writers and leaders um who would go into real detail about these family trees and the names um angels nephilim who was descended from who and when we read that in the bible we think why did that get in the bible And the point is not whether they get it wrong or not. I'm presuming they did get quite a bit wrong. But the point is that it's just useless. It's speculation. They've gone overboard. False things, useless things. They can damage a church's teaching. And it doesn't advance God's work. That's the big thing for Paul. Verse 4. doesn't advance God's work. God's work, which is by faith. And when we talk about God's work here, we're really talking about God's way, his way of doing things, which is by faith, the path that he set out. So churches should be seriously caring about truth straight up there in this letter, isn't it? Now, some of us I know will be worried at this point. We might be worried that a church that seriously cares about truth is just going to be intellectual, And for some of us, we're not intellectual, and the thought of church becoming like school is just, oh, it's horrifying as a thought. And some of us will be worried that a a church that seriously cares about truth is just going to be very picky and very fussy. I grew up uh, in a mid-sized town where you had a whole array of churches. Uh, You had the two Anglican churches. Now, one of them was what you'd call... A high Anglican church with choirs and robes and candles. Um, one of them was a, still pretty formal but not quite so much. You had two Methodist churches, a Baptist church, a United Reformed church, a New Frontiers church, two independent evangelical churches, a Roman Catholic church, a charismatic river church. And if you don't know what half of those words mean, you're not alone. <laughs> so many different churches. And my earliest feelings growing up in a town like that was, I just hated it. Why is it the Christians seem to be the worst at just getting on and wanting things their own way? And it really bothered me. And in fact, that's one of the reasons why I think I felt drawn to church leadership at an early age. Now, some of us will be worried that a church, particularly maybe a new church like ours, is just another church that's going to be really picky and really fussy about doing it their way. At the very least, I expect some of us will feel, it's not very exciting, is it? A church that seriously cares about church. Let's just put that on our website. This is what we care about as a church. Um, it sounds slightly arrogant, first of all, doesn't it? But, but not very exciting. But Paul's point here is that it does seriously matter. And that churches can be very bad at getting on for bad reasons. But there is something about churches that care about truth that is really right. Part of the reason why we care is verse 4, that we want to advance God's work. But in verse 5, we see it explained more. Why do we care then? So if we're going to be a church that seriously cares about about truth, we've got to understand why we're going to do that. And verse 5 explains that it's because truth leads to love. Verse 5. The goal of this command is love. Which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Some have departed from these and have turned to meaningless talk. The goal is love, says Paul. Why is Paul Timothy gonna stand up in some of these church gatherings as a church leader and say that's not right? I mean that is the thought of that is agony, right, to most of us that, that Timothy would do that. Why is he gonna do that? Not so he feels good about himself. Because he likes a fight. Because he wants to see a church of love. Now a lot of us think caring about truth is the opposite about caring about love, right? The way Paul sees it, if you hold on to truth of Jesus, that is a loving thing to do. But it also leads to love. Do you see that in verse 4? The goal is love. Timothy stopping some teaching is, to, is the way to reach that goal. Truth leads to love. Both in the sense that it will teach you to love, but it also teach you how to love. So you'll you'll start to love others as God loves us and his grace and his forgiveness, and we've already thought about that this morning, comes and changes us. But also it will tell us how to love. Specifically, verse five, it will work on our heart and conscience and our faith and it will purify them and it will make our conscience good specifically these things are very deep things our heart our conscience our faith what we believe in and Paul says truth will come in and change that and it will be good for you it will be good for you when truth comes and does that I was in a pub just after Easter and uh, I was with a friend of mine, we both quite like football and uh, he supports one club that's not doing very well called Tottenham, I support another club that's not doing very well called West Ham and we were lamenting how our clubs were basically not very good at football and we said to each other, well at least at least there's this other club that we don't like it was Liverpool Um, (laughs) are not doing very well either Um, and we realised that actually a lot of what we dis, you know what a lot of the love the enjoyment we get from football when, is, is other teams doing badly? <laughs> so what if, that's, I mean, when you're in a rubbish team like ours, that's all you've got. There's, no, there's nothing else to celebrate other than when other two teams cannot celebrate as well. Um, some of the things we feel go very deep inside us, what we feel about towards other things, what we feel is right and what we feel is wrong. God's truth will come in and change the way you feel about what is right, what you love, what you enjoy. And it will make you this loving person. And Paul says that is why it matters. Because we don't actually instinctively love. And we definitely don't instinctively love as Jesus would have us love. That's why truth matters. Now some of you will know that uh, in churches around this country, and particularly in the Church of England, they are finding themselves in a big debate at the moment uh, about what Christians should believe in relation to sex, marriage, love actually, and uh, sexuality, transgender issues. And it's an issue we're going to have to think about ch- soon as a church. Because uh, whether we like it or not, it's, it's an issue that's going on all around us. In the churches of this town, in the churches elsewhere as well. And it is tearing churches apart. Uh, what the Bible says, even in passages like in verse 10, which is, talks about against homosexuality, it needs carefully thinking about. This is really sensitive stuff that gets to the bottom of our consciences. our hearts I'm not going to get into this topic properly now because as important as it is I think we're going to need some time to think through all these topics about sex and sexuality and marriage and all that kind of stuff we need to do it but we can't do that in two minutes as if it's just an easy simple answer the plan actually is to do that in a couple of weeks time Uh, have a little pause from Timothy to do that but where we want to get to, before we think about some big teaching and what I'm going to say is false teaching in the church, is this principle. Is it okay for a church to take a stand and say this is truth and this is not truth? And even calling other teaching false and even calling other churches having gone wrong. I mean, how do you feel about that? I guess not great. Do we want to be that kind of church that takes a stand like that? I guess probably we don't. We'd rather not. We just look arrogant. That's what we can do. Or, Or not very loving. But here is Paul saying, that is what the church we want. A church that seriously cares about truth. And we do it because we care about love. We care about the the, the message that God has given us and actually that's a really good thing because the message that God has given us is a message that is about love and pure hearts and good conscience and a sincere faith. Why we care is love and so if you're worried and I expect some of you might be that if we're going to be a church that's concerned about truth that we're just going to get intellectual and objectionable to other people or arrogant please don't think that is what we will necessarily become because our aim is not just to fill our heads with knowledge or judgmentalism our aim is that when we reach God's truth we are going to therefore know how to love and we are going to love and that will be beautiful and it can be a warning to some of us I know that some of us will actually really like the idea of I love the idea of learning and knowing the answers Paul would say, here, look, the goal is love. It's got to get you somewhere. It's got to lead to love. Practically, personally, really. And that links to the last point I want to make about, okay, how do we care then? How do we care, if we're going to be a church that seriously cares about truth, how do we care about truth? And look down at verse 7, the next verse in our passage. I'll read from verse 6. Some have departed from these... Uh, pure heart, good conscience, sincere faith and they have turned to meaningless talk they want to be teachers of the law but they do not know what they are talking about or what they so confidently assume know that law is good if one uses it properly you see the irony in Ephesus is that actually people loved teaching so it wasn't like there were churches saying oh preach less stop being so intellectual there was a hunger to learn in these churches but not enough care about using it well. How do we care? Not with a love for teaching. We just want teaching, but for gospel change. Seems in Ephesus there was a lot of teaching on the law of God. Mentioned earlier, these genealogies, these family trees, all this kind of stuff. Uh, and the law of the God is referenced to the Old Testament. But Paul says that it's not good teaching because you're not using the law for what it's there for. Verse 8 explains what it is, therefore. Verse 8, we know that law is good if one uses it properly. We also know that the law is made not for the righteous, but for lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and irreligious, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, for those practicing homosexuality, for the slave traders and liars and perjurers, and for whatever else is contrary to the sound doctrine that conforms to the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed god which he entrusted to me there's a big list of things there but the point is that god's law is there not for the righteous to have nice chit chats about but for the unrighteous to change like i know that confound like it just freaks you out right oh, welcome to church this is what the law is going to do to you but that's what it's there for the list of things that paul talks about there particularly things that connect to the ten commandments like honoring your father and mother adultery coveting and paul's point there if you're going to teach the law you've got to flow with what it's saying it's calling people to change calling people to repent and we might say well that's just the old testament right that's just the old testament loves laws and rules and that kind of stuff but paul connects it in verse 10 to the gospel whatever else is contrary to the sound doctrine that conforms to the gospel christians are not under the old testament law as it was given back then but we're under the gospel but the two are connected it's all given for change is paul's point there are things that, are con- that can be contrary to the gospel and how do we care about truth then not just by caring about teaching and having teaching but that that teaching changes us. So please don't mishear me here. The gospel is not a rule book uh, that says this is how you should live. Bang, 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 bang. It is the good news that Jesus kept all the laws where we sinners have fallen short, and He paid for our sins on the cross, and He rose to life again. And by that, we have new life, forgiveness, and a Perfect standing before God. I know in a couple of sentences, I can't do justice to that wonderful message of grace and good news. But we believe that changes us. And I'm sorry to say if it scares you, but, it, but it, we believe it will change and it must change us. That word, verse 10, is a beautiful phrase, sound doctrine. And it really captures what we're trying to capture today. Uh, the word sound actually is a kind of medical word. Some of you doctors in here will like this. Um, about being healthy. Healthy teaching. The way Paul summarizes the gospel is that it, is, it gives us sound doctrine. Healthy teaching that will change us. We know that in our bodies, we know that we need to take good care of them, right? We need sleep. We need good food if we can. And we need to have a pattern of life which is good for our bodies or else we collapse. And our bodies collapse and it can affect our mental health and all these things. And we know that's right. And, And Paul says, look, we don't just need good sleep. We need healthy doctrine sound doctrine we need truth that's going to change us and a bit later in the letter timothy is called to be nourished on the truths of the faith what a phrase nourished on the truths of the faith so this is important for us we want to care about truth and we care because we know that truth leads to love and how we care, though, is not just wanting teaching, but wanting gospel change. You see how, the, how Paul describes the gospel right at the end of our, our verse, passage? He describes the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God. God, in all his blessedness, and this is the only time in the Bible that God is called blessed. He has shown us his glory, his shining otherness if you want to phrase it like that—is what glory talks about his beautifulness he's given us that and it's what we need it's the healthy doctrine truth that will change us we want to care about truth and that means and this is where we've got to come to as a church here now is we've got to be willing to stand up for that to oppose certain people who might teach falsely and how we're going to do that though is not in just being picky and fussy but by caring for gospel change that's a call to me as a preacher to help connect what we learn with how we live whether that's sex and marriage or or whatever it is but actually it's a responsibility to all of us where we say, look, I'm not going to walk away from God's word and just want to get it right. I want to walk away from God's word and be changed by it. How is the learning truth going to play a part in my life? And I hope to say things up front that will be helpful to you for that, but there's an element where you and individually have to say, look, at how is this going to affect my life? How is what I'm learning going to lead to love and change? And some of you might need to get really serious about that and think, I'm going to write down, this is what I want God's truth to remind me of, change me in. I know some of us enjoy journaling, writing notes, naming the things we're praying about, those kind of things. Again, it might be a scary thought for you, this is the church we want to be, but it, it is going to be a beautiful church when we're all individually saying, i really care about god's truth his blessed gospel and i want to be changed by it it's not an intellectual thing it's not a loveless thing or an arrogant thing but it's a desire to wrestle with it and be changed by it and if we individually are doing that then we'll be showing each other and others that when we as a church are concerned about truth and when we take a stand on truth, like we might be called to do in the months to come, that's okay. Whether it's in weeks to come over the issue we'll think about soon with sex and marriage, or whether it's in other issues in years to come, this is what the church has always had to do. Be concerned for truth and take a stand on it. I mean, we're talking 30 years here after, Timoth- after, after Jesus rose from the dead and, and Paul's having to send a message to his leader saying, you've got to keep fighting for this. It's a question for all of us. Are we okay with that as a church, being that kind of church? I hope we will not be a picky, fussy church that fights over things we don't need to fight about. But there is a thing where we will be going, yes, God's truth matters. We're going to care about that as a church and we each individually care about that ourselves being changed. Not just that we get it right, but that we are changed into lives of love where our consciences are changed, our hearts are changed and we, whatever we feel is really strong to us now, we want that to be changed by God because he's the one who made us and he knows us and he's good and he's blessed and there is nothing better. Do you see why I say that Timothy might be a letter that freaks us out? But actually it's a letter that will help us and paints a picture of a church which is connected to God and hears his truth and is changed by it. And that's what we're praying. That's what I'm praying for each of us. And let's pray about that now. Father, we... Father we thank you that as we come to your word and as we wrestle with it we read serious things because you God want us to know the truth and we pray we we do want to say to you we want to be a church that really cares about what you say and takes a stand on it and 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 is and is willing to Say no to different teachers, even different churches about what they say. Father, please protect our hearts as we do this. And please change us by your truth, that it will lead us to be full of love, as you say, and full of being changed by this blessed gospel that we have received. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.